I don't know about you, but somehow not having the lyrics in front of us actually really draws you into the music, and hopefully the, the words and the lyrics have washed over you and been meaningful today as well. Well, at this time, our kids and students are all dismissed to their classes. Got a big crew today. Well, if you were with us a couple weeks ago on the 4th of July weekend, we had more of an interactive service with kids and adults all together, and Joe led it, and it, he asked the, everybody, who are some of your superheroes? And so we got to hear from kids, both you know, their favorite fictional superheroes, and we also talked about some heroes in our faith life. And one of those kind of literary giants of the faith that um, has been influential in my life is a guy named Dallas Willard. Has, have any of you read a book by Dallas Willard? He's kind of deep. It takes a little bit of wading through it. But he has said some really profound things that have shaped my spiritual life in a very powerful way. And one of the things he talks about a lot is what he calls the with God life. That the Christian life was intended to be lived with God day in and day out, walking with God. He actually said something that really impacted me a number of years ago, and he said that the greatest enemy of the spiritual life is hurry. And he said that uh, we must strive to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. When I heard that, I was like, wow, that is a tough thing to do. But Dallas Willard, he, a number of years ago, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he told a friend after his diagnosis, he said in, it, he was given a very short um, time to live, he said, I think when I die, it might be some time until I know it. In case you're wondering, what does that mean? Of course, that was a joke. But he lived his life in such a way, he believed the with God life, the kingdom life that is here and now, was so real that as he went to heaven, it would just simply be an extension of the life that he was already living. I don't know many people that can say that, do you? But I find it incredibly inspiring to think that we can live with God in such a way that our faith is so alive, that we experience his presence in such a profound way, that eternity, that's all it's simply going to be, is an extension of that kind of life. Well, today we're going, to re we're going to continue in our sermon series that we're calling By Faith, and this is walking through that chapter in Hebrews 11 that is just kind of a list of these different Old Testament characters and how they lived their lives by faith. And so today we're going to talk about a guy named Enoch, um, one that we probably don't talk about very often, and the Bible says actually very little about him, but we're going to read the two passages that tell us a little bit about his life. And I think this is the kind of person that Dallas Willard was attempting to follow in his footsteps. So hear now God's word for us from Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. But before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And now our second reading is from Genesis 5, 21 through 24. This is the other passage where Enoch is named. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked 
faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, can we just acknowledge that there's some strange stuff in Scripture? <laughs> that it, there's some things that are just kind of mysterious. This is one of those passages where there's probably a number of things that you're like, what? What is going on? How does somebody just live and then they are no more because God took them away? How do people live 365 years? That is not something that we um, kind of resonates with our current experience. What do we do with this kind of stuff when we read this in Scripture? It's kind of mysterious. It's hard to wrap our minds around. We aren't told why Enoch didn't die. We're just told he lived faithfully and then he was no more. We don't know how or what these numbers mean. There, I did a little research. Some people think, well, maybe the atmosphere was different and people could live longer. Other people say maybe these numbers were actually symbolic, that they had meanings attached to them and rather than them being literal numbers of years. We don't know exactly what all of that means. But what we do know, what the principle that we can take from this is Enoch's life and the kind of life he lived and the fact that he is commended for that life by living by faith. We see, Hebrews says, before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God and that he walked faithfully with God. And so we can glean from Enoch's life that walking with God pleases God. And he was commended for keeping company with God, for living faithfully day in and day out in his relationship with God, that it was real and alive and personal. Well, as we see throughout Hebrews 11, this phase by faith is repeated over and over. And it says that Enoch lived this way by faith. We talk, if you were with us a couple weeks ago, I gave a definition of faith that I thought was worth repeating. Is it something we, we talk a lot about? We, we know what faith is, we think, but sometimes it's hard to, to fully define. So here's a, here's a kind of working definition of faith. It says, faith is a living and active trust in God that guides us. True faith is living. It's not something, oh, I came to faith a number of years ago at a youth camp and then I just kind of put it on the shelf, right? It's a living and ongoing relationship with God. It's also, it's alive and growing. It should be something just like any living thing grows. Our faith should change. We should become more like Jesus over time. Faith is also active. The book of James talks a lot about faith is not just something you believe. Faith is something that you believe and then it moves you to act, to do something about what you believe. And so this living active, it's trust. It's trust in the person, who God is, and in God's goodness, and it guides us. It motivates us. It helps us change. It helps us know how to treat other people. Faith is living and active. Well, verse 6 that we just read also talks about, kind of defines this passage on Enoch, and then it talks about what faith does. And it says there's these two aspects of faith this kind of faith that Enoch had that pleases God. It says anyone that comes to God must do two things. One, believe that God exists. My guess is most of us, if we're here this Sunday morning, we got one of those two to check off our list. Believing God exists is part of faith and trusting in God. 
But there's a second part that the writer of Hebrews mentions that I think is, is pretty provocative if we really stop to think about it. And it says that it's believing that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let that one sink in a little longer. Do you believe that God rewards those who earnestly seek him? This verse is actually particularly meaningful to me because it is the verse that my dad wanted to be put on his headstone when he passed away. He said this was a verse that changed his understanding of who God is. I've shared with some of you before that my dad was raised by an alcoholic father who kind of abandoned them when he was a teenager, and he struggled with most of his adult life with one feeling worthy and loved. And he said that often translated over to his relationship with God and trying to relate to God as a heavenly father. And he had a hard time wrapping his mind around, even though he was a pastor who week after week preached that love to other people, he had a hard time internalizing that love for himself. And he said the second part of the Hebrews passage was really like a light bulb going off for him to recognize that, that faith is believing that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. That God wants to reward us with his presence and with his goodness. That this is part of who God is. God is not an abusive father or somebody who's harsh towards us. That God is a rewarder. That he delights in our presence and he wants to reward us with it. And that is something that sometimes maybe it's not in, in such an extreme way as my dad's, but maybe on a day-to-day -day basis, do you ever have thoughts like, does God really care about what I'm going through? This isn't that big of a deal. Or we kind of, maybe God feels distant, and maybe God doesn't really care about what's going on in my life. These kinds of feelings we, that we have to challenge them with this idea of faith is believing that God is a rewarder of those who seek him, that he desires to be with us and for us. And so, but there's a second part. I, I, I love that aspect of who God is, but then there's that second part that is a little bit more, it moves back to us. It says, yes, we believe that God is a rewarder, but God rewards those who earnestly seek him, that there's an aspect of our faith that we also need to be seeking after God. And so we see this walking with God by faith. It requires some effort on our part as well. Just as in any good relationship is a two-way street, right? That there is a sense where we also do our parts to walk with God. We talk a lot about grace and salvation, that it is free. It is not ever something that we earn to get God's favor. All of that is true. But cultivating a relationship with God, it requires a sense of effort and often some intentionality in our lives as well. So as you take a moment to just reflect on your own relationship with God today, where would you say that you are? You know, one has to answer this out loud. But do you feel like you're in a place where the, your relationship is active and growing and thriving? Or are you more in a place where maybe words like apathetic, maybe lacking some motivation, maybe feeling a little stuck or distant or discouraged in your faith walk? If any on the latter side are words that more resonate with you, my guess is you're probably in pretty good company. I think a lot of people that I speak with are kind of in more of that place. I want to be walking with God. I want my faith life to feel alive. But the reality is we've all lived through a number of challenging years as we went through the pandemic that left people feeling pretty beat down. And then additional challenges and things and busyness and all the things that come into our life, it can definitely, there can be a disconnect between our desire and where we actually feel like we are. 
So as we don't have, um, Enoch doesn't leave us a manual. He doesn't tell us this is how he walked with God. These are the steps he took. We, all we know is that he lived faithfully and he walked with God. So today I want to just talk a little bit about how do we do that? How do we begin to take active steps in our lives and rekindle maybe a desire for God that feels more like a relationship that we can walk through life with God and live that kind of with God life that Dallas Fuller describes? Well, I think the best way for us to get started is to take small steps. So often I think when we hear maybe even a sermon like this or you read a book, you just feel inspired, right? You're like, oh, I want to do something. I want to kind of get my relationship with God. And we want to just do a complete overhaul. We just want to change everything. And then often these giant goals or things actually get in the way and hinder us from continuing on that path that we want to go on. And so this idea of, of having a goal of wanting to grow in your relationship with God, but maybe breaking it down into a small step that you can take that will begin to create desire that can grow, that you'll actually get excited about when you achieve that step. Well, when my son Connor was first learning to walk, he had a big sister um, who didn't enjoy sharing that spotlight with him. And so I'll never forget this, Ellie's um, rolling her eyes as I'm telling this story, but um, we were at a car wash and we were waiting for the car to come through and Connor was taking a few steps. And so a lady over there, she was cheering for him and Ellie was not impressed. She walked straight up to the lady and she looked at her and said, I can walk anywhere I want all day long. Take that, little brother. Um, but anyway, she was not, not a big fan of, of sharing the spotlight and him getting all of this attention. I'm not very impressed. Well, I think for us, sometimes it creates actually more problems in our spiritual lives when we have these expectations of I can walk anywhere I want all day long rather than just being willing to celebrate the baby steps. Celebrating that small step, that small spiritual discipline. Maybe it's getting up a couple days a week to spend some time with the Lord and just allowing that to grow. Maybe it's being intentional to pray every night before you go to bed. One simple little prayer that actually is meaningful to you that then begins to rekindle your love for God again. And you should know that the Lord receives our efforts, both big and small, with joy. It's a relationship. He is just happy to hear from us and to connect with us. Um, and I think sometimes in our lives, we, again, as we have these misconceptions of God, instead of realizing that God simply delights in our presence and in connection with us, we have instead in the back of our mind this idea that God is that voice of like a guilting friend. Do any of you have that like guilting friend in your life that every time you call, they're like, oh, it's been so long since I've heard from you. Or they remind you, oh, the last time we got together was, you know, six months ago. Well, no one enjoys spending time with that kind of friend, right? That is not God's voice when we start to hear this voice of, of guilt. Instead, God is always delighted to hear from us and receives our, all of our efforts with joy. So take small steps. Second way we get started walking with God is by slowing down. Again, Dallas Willard's hurry is often the enemy of the spiritual life. Mark Buchanan, he wrote a book called God Walk, Moving at the Speed of Your Soul. And one of the premises of his book is similar to a sermon series we did a number of years ago. Is he said he believes our souls were intended to move at the same speed that Jesus walked when he was here on earth, which is about three miles an hour. 
The problem is, most of us prefer moving fast than slow, don't we? Even when preparing this sermon on slowing down and walking with God, I thought I love to walk. I take my dog on a walk almost every single day, but I like to walk fast. In fact, my dog is stopping to sniff things. I'm pulling his leash, trying to get through the neighborhood to get some exercise and keep moving. Well, one of the um, exercises that Buchanan suggests in this walk as a way to cultivate your spiritual life is to go for a walk and intentionally slow down to make it your goal to just pay attention to your surroundings the whole entire walk. To, to even perceive things as though you're seeing them for the first time. I walked this loop in my neighborhood nearly every single day, and I decided to do this, and it was amazing. You notice a little bird over here. You notice how beautiful the tree is in that neighbor's yard that I missed about the hundred times I've walked it before. So I encourage you, try something like that, a normal routine in your day, and just slow it down a little bit. Pay attention. See what strikes you. Ask God to show you more of who he, are, he is. And then give thanks for the things you see and experience. Let that cultivate a sense of life and joy. Well, a third way for us to begin walking with God is to walk with others. We cannot underestimate the power of community and of coming together as we want to grow in our spiritual lives. We talk a lot about here at Kairos about different opportunities for you to find fellowship and community with others. In the next few weeks, we'll be sending out notices about our community groups that will restart up this fall. We have a men's and a women's Bible study. Every single person here is invited to be a part of one of these ongoing communities. And I have never had a person say, oh, you know, I went, didn't really like it. On the other hand, almost everyone, even if it takes a risk, going, oh, it was a little out of my comfort zone, they go, and like, oh, it was such a life-giving experience for me. Or their faith starts to become alive. They start to learn from other people. And so I encourage you, if you've never taken part in a group of some type, to try one out. There's a lot of different ones. And if one of the times we don't, don't offer doesn't work for you, come talk to me. We'll start a new group. Or find a way, there's lots of different ways to do this. Maybe it's just even getting together with a friend intentionally, where you can find an opportunity to share what's going on in your life, to share what's, what you're learning about God. Doing, walking with others and experiencing your relationship with God with other people is one of the best ways to not only grow, but to experience life in your relationship with God. Because that's what we need to, to continue walking, is to experience the way that God intended us to live. Well, finally, I encourage you to not only walk with God in the ways that we slow down and cultivate community with others, but to begin to find joy in with your relationship with God again. What are those moments where you look back on the past, where your, your faith felt alive, or where you sensed God's presence? What were you doing? Where were you? How do you recultivate that again? Well, about a year ago, Connor and I, we took a spring break trip up to Washington, D.C. This was intended to be a trip for the entire family, but Ellie got the flu, and so she had to stay home with Joe instead. So Connor and I, we went off on this trip. We stayed at a hotel kind of near the National Mall, which a friend told me was really walkable, so we could just kind of go um, wherever we wanted. Well, we, the first day, we had a great time. I, I'm not much of a planner, so we just kind of you know, decided where we wanted to go and just walked here, then walked there, and then it was kind of not very strategic. And by the end of the day, I was like, my legs really hurt. I wonder how, how far we walked. 
my tech savvy kid, of course, can pull out his phone to see exactly. He's like, oh, we've walked 11 miles. I was like, well, no wonder I had to make him slow down so I could keep up with his you know, long strides to get back to our hotel. Needless to say, the next day we bought the Metro Pass and Ubered to dinner and you know, kind of gave my, my legs a break. But as I was thinking of that day, the funny thing is I never once thought about how far we'd walked or what walking did until my legs literally gave out. Instead, I simply was just soaking in the sights, enjoying my son's company, talking with him and discovering what a fun and interesting kid he is, watching his delight as he took in so much of the history and these things that we'd never experienced before together. It's truly one of the most special memories I've ever had with him because we, we don't ever get that kind of just one-on-one -on -one time together. But it got me thinking a lot about walking. Walking together with someone you love can be a joy-filled experience. It strengthened our bond. It was enjoyable for both of us, well, at least you can ask him, but it was very enjoyable for me. And I think this is more of what we need in life, in our spiritual lives in particular, is to recapture that joy of walking with God, to realize that it's a relationship. So often we think of our spiritual life as more of a task, of things we need to do, rather than just a, a talking with somebody that we care about and who cares deeply about us. What would it look like for you to keep company with God Maybe just as you go for a walk and soak in the beauty of the world around you. Or as you go about just an ordinary day, giving thanks for the simple joys, asking for strength as you've hit the annoying challenges, knowing that you have somebody by your side who's there to listen, show you compassion and grace, someone who can strengthen you and guide you and show you the way to go. And most of all, someone who delights in your presence and just simply finds pleasure in hearing from you and walking with you. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for examples of people like Enoch who showed us that walking with you is what brings joy to your heart. And so, Lord, I pray that you will show us what that looks like in our ordinary lives to find ways to connect with you, to be open to your spirit, to find joy in that relationship with you. I pray for anyone today who's just feeling in that place where they feel a little stuck or discouraged or just apathetic, Lord. Would you just rekindle that love for you and ultimately that feeling of being loved by you to know that you invite us to walk with you daily. So we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.